Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to the Supporting Sobriety Podcast, dedicated to the unsung heroes behind those struggling with addiction, their friends and family like you. We'll share insights, stories, and resources to help you support your loved ones and care for yourself on the recovery journey. I just left the treatment center in Atchison, Kansas, with the intention of staying clean and sober. But less than a month after I left that center, I was back using. I didn't have the necessary tools that it took to stay clean and sober. I went back to my comfort zone. But at this point, I'd made some friends in the treatment center, and surprisingly, they were staying sober. So one day, they picked me up for what I thought was going to be a meeting because I really needed one. I was really, really high. And they weren't. And they told me that the meeting was in Lawrence, right by Kansas University. But what I didn't know is that they were setting me up for an intervention. And they told me this while they were driving about 70 miles an hour on the highway. Well, I wanted no part of this intervention, so I was looking for an out, and I found one. As they stopped at the bottom of an off-ramp, I opened the car door, and I bolted. I ran across multiple lanes of traffic. I wanted no part of this intervention. My name is Ryan Hedrick. I'm a broadcaster in Indianapolis, but more importantly, I am in recovery, and for the first time in my life, I'm thriving in that process. And now, it's my mission to help you get your loved ones back on track. I woke up to the phone buzzing. It was louder than the buzzing in my head. I was still drunk sick from the night before. Um, I, I answered the phone. It was my dad. He said, Matt, there are people coming. Do whatever they say. I mumbled something probably awful, and several minutes later, a knock on my door. It's two of my best friends. They're in recovery, and my sister, my little sister, walk into what's left of my apartment. Uh, my sister, without saying anything, starts packing a bag like a travel bag. Um, as it turns out, good thing I'm still drunk enough to say, sure, I'll go to rehab two states away. And that's what we did. My sister drove. So imagine the worst Uber passenger ever. That was me. Minus five stars. And I mean, I didn't throw up in a car or anything. My name is Matt Bear. I'm a recovering alcoholic that does radio in Indianapolis, but only by God's mercy. And we want to help you like you helped us. This is Supporting Sobriety. Welcome to Episode 2. Supporting Sobriety Podcast, talking about the intervention today. Motive matters, compassion counts. The number one thing you need to know about an intervention, when you decide to get involved, you're not going to make it worse. It's going to get worse on its own. Number two, the loving, compassionate thing is not to let them suffer anymore. Number three, the motive matters. Uh, Ryan, in talking about intervention, the first point, number one, you, it's when you decide to get involved, you're not going to make it worse. It's going to get worse on its own. Um, a lot of times this is the diseased or the 
addict or alcoholic telling us that, boy, if you do something like that to me, I'm only going to get drunker or I'm only going to get higher. And the thing we want to highlight, and we will when we talk uh, to our intervention specialist, Scott Watson, coming up uh, a couple of seconds from Heartland Intervention, is you can't make it worse. I mean, think about it this way. You're going, the addict alcoholic is going to continue getting drunk or high regardless and there's really not any case of making it worse for them as far as looking at it from a drunk high standpoint yeah i think the the most important thing to realize about addiction alcoholism it's progressive right we see people who at the start of their addiction alcoholism look good they have their faculties they have their teeth they have great hair they have a great body but as they start using and drinking more matt it gets worse, and those things are an afterthought to them. They start falling off. They start gaining weight. They start losing their jobs, their homes. Everything they can lose, everything they can drink away, they absolutely do. So when you look at the progressive state of addiction, it only gets worse. It does not cure itself. It takes some sort of intervention, some sort of introduction to make things better. Yeah, and it's when it's talking, as we talk to the people beyond the people, as you try to help your loved one, um, you may say, if I try this intervention, they're going to get mad and never want to talk to me again, that I won't have a relationship with that individual. And look at, do you have a relationship with that individual now? I mean, do you have something with them where you talk back and forth? And even if you are, is it that person? Well, it's a person that's under the disease. It's a person under that, uh, that that grasp of the hand, that clenched hand, that alcoholic, that addict that's saying, no, I don't want this relationship anymore. So, again, that's what we mean by, say, not making it worse. You can't make it any worse. Even if it feels like you might at the time, eventually you will have no relationship with that alcoholic or addict anyways. And if you're trying to think for this person, don't. Because they're not thinking logically. You need to think for them. Remember, you need a higher power. You need something to intervene. So when you decide to get involved, you're not going to make it worse because it's already getting worse. It's getting worse without your permission. The episode is Intervention, Motive Matters, Compassion Counts. And the second point, Ryan, you made, and the loving, compassionate thing is not to let them suffer anymore. And, and that's what the point of recovery is, to end the suffering. And, and not just for the addict alcoholic you love, but for yourself, man. I mean, this has been, we know, Ryan, as a recovered addict, me as a recovered alcoholic, we know what we have done to you. We know what we have put you through. Um, so we don't want you to suffer anymore, as well as, well, at the time, we may not know that we're suffering. That's kind of the thing here. But for you, by taking these steps and healing that relationship and uh, putting this person back on the road to recovery, you're also healing yourself. And we want that for you. Because obviously, if they were able to do it by themselves, wouldn't they be already doing it? Mm. Yeah, and and that's just what you're basically saying, right? Is you have to make difficult decisions here at some point. If you don't want them to suffer anymore, you're going to have to make decisions that aren't popular with that individual. The third point in the episode, this one, intervention, motive matters, compassion counts, is is the motive does matter. And we're going to talk more about this with our expert in a second. But where is this intervention coming from? Is it for the individual and for healthy relationships? Or do you just want this? Are you just trying to stash this person somewhere out of your life for the moment so you can get your own well-being in check, so you can get your own mental health in check? I mean, the motive really matters whether or not this intervention is going to work. 
think about this. If your motives are genuine and they're caring and they're supportive, that's how they're going to play out. However, if the motives are driven purely by judgment or control or other negative factors, that intervention may blow up and it's going to hinder the process because only the person's willingness to accept the help is going to be the determining outcome. However, you can keep your side of the street clean if your motives are not driven by the need and the desire to control that outcome. So coming up next is our guest, Scott Watson from Heartland Intervention. This is a guy that knows how to do interventions. He's been in every situation imaginable and has a wide variety of expertise and tools to help you understand how to execute a perfect intervention with that person that you love. And I know for my good friend and co-host, Matt Baer, he holds a special place in Matt's heart. Scott helped me get sober. Scott saved my life. Uh, that's the way I look at it. And uh, the first time I was serious about recovery, Scott was there. He has helped hundreds of people. He knows intervention. He is a professional interventionist. And we're going to ask him what this is. What is intervention and what is the time? And help you get your loved ones back on track. This is the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. I found hope in the midst of an overwhelming situation. Alcoholism can affect any family. Are you in an overwhelming situation because of someone else's drinking? Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 866-200-0033 or visit alanon.org slash hope. You're listening to the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. Well, it's fortunate we were able to talk with a professional interventionist today, and, and I'm really excited about this because uh, this man is a, we'll call him a recovery assassin, and he's just so, so knowledgeable and, and has such a great heart. He was my first sponsor. His name is Scott Watson of Heartland Intervention to talk to us about the intervention process. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And, and I think the best place to start is uh, by telling us what exactly an intervention is. I think an intervention can mean different things to different people because there are different types of interventions. And so, you know, what I normally am a part of are what I would consider a professional intervention. And even that can be a little bit dicey because there are a lot of people that may or may not have a clinical license that can do some sort of intervention. But typically what I talk about when I'm talking about an intervention is you've got somebody that has a clinical credential, probably should have a master's degree, and they do a fairly well put together, well scripted, well experienced intervention, typically with family, but I've also done it with uh, people that are all members of a law firm or people that are all doctors in in a clinical practice. Um, I've even done one, you know, in a, in a car dealership where so many of the upper management were uh, part of the same family, but it was done more in a business setting than in a familial setting. And so uh, they are well scripted. And I would say that they have at their at their core love. The motive matters on these guys. Uh, you know, are we doing it because we're pissed and we just want to get them to treatment? Are we doing it because we're trying to save their life? Are we do it because we're worried about our finances? And so, you know, we talk with families about that. And um, the goal is always to get a person to willingly go to treatment and get on the solution side of whatever their problem is. 
Scott Watson joining us from Heartland Intervention here on the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. Scott, why don't you walk us through how an intervention is initiated? The vast majority of times a family member reaches out and oftentimes it's it's part of a family that's willing to do an intervention and there may be one or two members that are afraid to do it or they're opposed to it for fear of making a situation worse. Uh, typically, if that's the case, we're going to meet uh, either on the phone or by Zoom with the entire family and, and answer all of their questions, try to address their concerns, talk about basic concepts of codependency and enabling, and then really talk about those fears. Like, why is it that you don't want to do an intervention? Do you not have faith in me? Do you not have faith in the process? Are you worried that the person's going to get mad and never speak to you again? Uh, and then we, once we get to that point, we get all the history that we can on that person as far as their, their substance or their behavior, um, all of the history medically, psychologically, all of their familial and work history. And we come up with what we think would be recommendations for the best maybe two or three treatment centers for that person. Once the family makes a decision on which one of those sounds the best, we contact the treatment center. We work with insurance uh, to make sure that some or all of that will be paid for by insurance. The entire time we're answering questions, we're trying to be supportive, we're trying to address concerns that any family member might have about uh, therapeutic interventions, kind of my treatment style, anything, because once we do the intervention, guys, we become a team. And I'm a part of that team. Uh, the parents, the kids, everybody that's going to be there is a part of that team. And as you guys know, you're only as strong as your weakest link, so we make sure that we're pretty much all on the same page. Scott Watson uh, with Heartland Intervention. Uh, Scott, you were talking about um, a little bit earlier, and I do want to swing back to this just for a second. Uh, you know, what kind of intervention we're having, as in, do you want to just get that person into rehab, or are you actually loving that person and want them to get better? Um, coming from that place, when you approach those cases, how do you coach them into saying, okay, this sounds more about you than it does the individual because the individual, the, the, the addict, the alcoholic is going to react to that, correct? A hundred percent. Like you can tell whether people are there. And one of the jobs I think of a professional interventionist is to make sure that when we do the actual intervention, there is no hint of anger, frustration, or resentment. And that's a really high bar. But again, we have to work with them as individuals to make sure that that is gone because what we want the person to see that when we do the intervention. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Is a unified wall of love coming at them and an understanding that we're prepared to do almost anything that's solution-based, and we are no longer prepared to do almost anything that is not solution-based. Scott, when you're looking at the role that each and every person in that room is, is playing, how do you prepare them and involve each person to make them feel like they have a role in trying to coach this person to get themselves help? 
That's a good question. And one of the things that we want to do is to understand that everybody has a different relationship with the person that, that we're doing the intervention on. And so really, it's not that everybody has a, has a role. It's that we use whatever role that is as leverage because every friendship is different. You know, every relationship with parents are different, with kids are different, with best friends are different. And so we try to use that to our advantage. And, and, and we let people know that as part of the intervention, it's not about getting your letter read. It's about getting that person to treatment. And we know that when that happens, when someone gets into recovery, then we have an opportunity, right, to capitalize and, and, and to build those relationships, to talk about the past and to hope about the future. How do you work with somebody that, and I'm not sure how to say this because it is about love, but in some cases with a lot of people it's not. How do you work with somebody who just is going to be there and maybe not want to be there or just absolutely you detect some sort of resentment towards that alcoholic and maybe not in the best interest? I mean, do you coach somebody like that or how do you proceed from there? We coach them and work with them, sometimes individual counseling uh, as long as we can. But as I said earlier, if we aren't able to get past that, then they're not going to be a part of the intervention team. Uh, There are some exceptions to that. We need to have a loving front. But if you are just so angry with that person that you can't put that aside for the hour or so that it takes to do the intervention, then we can't have you a part of that. Having said that, if you are also the chief enabler, the one that continues to give money, the one that continues to ignore the evidence – we really need to have you because otherwise that person knows that they've got a safe landing spot and safe landing spots are really convenient in the short term, but in the long term, they'll contribute to death. This is a really important conversation. We're having with Scott Watson, Heartland Intervention here on the Supporting Sobriety podcast. Scott, when you look at shows like Intervention, has that platform helped or hurt the intervention process because when you're watching intervention anybody can think they can do one but from what you're telling us today this is a really tender process that involves loving and empathy and teamwork and communication anybody can do one but the question is can they do a good one it's kind of like anybody can write a book but is it worth reading and sometimes you know you write your book because it's good for you and it's therapeutic to get it out in paper Uh, Anybody can draw a picture, but not everybody's going to be hanging in a museum. And so one of the there are certain times when you absolutely have to have a professional. You know, if if we're worried about homicidality, suicidality, if somebody's got chronic mental illness, uh, there are a number of other. But those are kind of the big ones. Right. If you're dealing with that, the idea that you're not going to use a professional to me is folly. Having said that, I've absolutely worked with families where I've said, why don't I help you with the pre-planning, and then I'll save you the money of me flying to wherever it is that you are. Uh, there is one book out there that I will champion. The book is called Love First by Jeff and Deborah J. Uh, it's a great book, and it will walk you through how to do an intervention without a professional. What I would say is don't vary from that book one sentence. If you're going to try it without a professional, read Jeff's book, read Deborah's comments, and then do exactly what it is that they tell you to do, because it's the best book out there. Okay, I know we're taping, but that that answer was that question and answer was so amazing uh, that that was. I'm going to cut this out, obviously, but that was that was just awesome. <laughs> that was just great. Good. Um, 
Scott, as we move along here, and uh, before we get, Ryan, do you have anything else before we get into what happened with me? Yeah, I okay, actually do. I actually do. Can we build this in? So uh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, let's talk about the the timing, Scott. How are we approaching the timing? If this person is in denial about their alcoholism and addiction. And they are just such, you know, they're adamant about, they want to continue using, they don't have a problem. How do you as a professional interventionist work out the timing? Because isn't timing critical when it comes to the intervention process? So there's really two parts to that, right? It's when do we do the intervention? And then what do we do if we do the intervention and they say, you know, screw you, I'm going to keep using. Most of the time, families come to me too late. Having said that, what I always tell the family is the risk of waiting is they're going to end up arrested, dead. They're going to continue to harm relationships that are precious. It's never really too late to do an intervention as long as the person is still alive. Uh, I've only ever done one where I thought this is worthless. It was a guy over in Ohio Uh, And he actually ended up dying three days after we did the intervention. The guy had just torn up his body. So it's never really too late, although sometimes it's too late. The other question is, what happens if if the person, as part of the intervention, says, I'm not going to go to treatment. Thanks for being here. Screw you. And the reality is, at that point, it's really important that families work on their bottom lines. And that's part of the planning process. I never walk with people and say, hey, this is what your bottom line has to be. We'll talk about what good ones are, what bad ones are. But the most important thing there to think of is that a bottom line is never a a bluff, Brian. It's something that I am committed to do in an effort to take care of myself and to no longer contribute to the problem. Okay, when we look at the environment, um, what was the question you wanted to ask? Strategies. How do you you maintain an environment that, I mean, these things go off the rails sometimes. Like, what are you doing as a professional to orchestrate all the moving parts to make sure everything is supportive and loving and and like it needs to be? I always say that the best intervention takes about 45 seconds, <laughs> and that's because you got to plan, 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 right? You ask good questions, and you, and you make sure that they're if they answer that question, that everybody in the in, in the room kind of agrees with the answer. I had a situation in Central Indiana one time where, you know, the mother said, and he sold his championship rings to buy drugs. Wow. And I I thought, okay. And so we're doing the intervention. And I mentioned your family member says that you sold your championship rings to buy drugs. And the guy got off the living room. He went down the basement. He brought up his two championship rings and he laid them on the coffee table. We're in trouble there. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Love and leverage is gone, right? And all of a sudden, he is quote unquote changed the focus of things from his use and his, uh, and our desire to have him go to treatment to gotcha. And, and gotcha is not a great place to be. So the answer to your question is lots and lots and lots of planning and to make sure that you can plan for almost every eventuality. Having said that, have I ever had one go off the rails? Certainly. I had one in Ohio that I'd like to have back <laughs> big time. And it's a hilarious story 
but sadly, not uh, my finest moment as a professional. Well, it's but but again, as we say in recovery, we're not perfect, right? And um, it's 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 we learn from as we go forward. Um, when the environment uh, at at the end of it, if somebody is kind of okay, let's look at this from where I was doing it in my place in my life. Um, all right, I'm really drunk, and you're my sponsor. What for you to have an intervention on me? At what point would you say that? Um, yeah, it is actually time to do this. How does that get started? Yeah, so I, I need to make a couple of disclaimers here, and wants to say that you've never been a client or a patient of mine. I knew you through a twelve-step program, and so I probably would code of ethics wise have to decline doing an actual intervention on you having said that there was a time in which you were confronted uh, and you were confronted by me and by some friends some mutual friends of ours and, and what i would say there is the timing and how it gets initiated can be a lot of different things there are subtle cries for help for most people that have substance abuse and other behavioral or psychological issues and I think it's important that we be attuned to those cries for help, right? Uh, there was a situation two weeks ago on Facebook where I saw something. I thought, man, this is the greatest ever cry for help I've ever seen. This person doesn't want to be dead, but they don't want to continue to live the life that they're living. You have to be attuned to the cries for help. And then sometimes it's the person's employer that will reach out and they'll say, you know, hey, I know that you are – uh, a 12-step sponsor, or I know that you're really close and you're in recovery, or it'll be two people in a band, and, and one person in the band is in recovery, and the other person is a red-hot mess, but a lot of fun to watch. And it's just one of those deals where uh, at some point you become aware that this person is bad and getting worse, and perhaps maybe three or four of us can get together and try to help them right the ship. I think one of the most important things for families and friends and employers to understand is when you decide to get involved, you're not going to make it worse. It's going to get worse on its own. All of the literature and really your experience will show you that left to its own devices, substance use, behavioral health typically is going to get worse. So the loving, compassionate thing is to not let them suffer anymore and try to get on the solution side. That's what we're all about is getting on the solution side. It's, it's yep. the reoccurring theme you're talking about here in intervention. It's it's about love. It's not about gotcha. It's not about, ha-ha, you know, you, we're better than you. Everybody is on the same team. And I, I think that needs to be highlighted because a lot of times when people, when, when intervention is portrayed like by on TV or on the movies, it, it's kind of seen, well, not as you described, as something more satire or, or something that is just here or shovel in. I mean, this is a process, and it's one that has to be initiated by love. A hundred percent. And I would argue that if it's not initiated by love, your motive for doing it is wrong. Scott, where can we find you with Heartland Intervention and everywhere else on social? I'm easy to find at heartlandintervention.com, and the email is fairly easy but really long. Scott Watson at heartlandintervention.com. Overcoming drug addiction is difficult. The road to recovery is different for everyone. Find the path to recovery that works for you. Learn more at cdc.gov slash stop overdose. This is the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. So we talked about the intervention process today, and we covered when you decide to get involved, you're not going to make it worse. It's going to get worse on its own. Obviously, the loving and compassionate thing to do 
is not let these people suffer anymore. And we learn that the motive matters. Yes, come from a place of love. And your interventionist will, will tell you this. As Scott Watson, who we just spoke with of Heartland Intervention, told us, come from a place of love. Um, and, and go by the guy. Go by the people that are trying to help you. Remember, you'll need help through the process just as much as we, the addict and alcoholic, need help through the process. And we're on social media. You can find us the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. X Instagram at sobriety underscore pod at sobriety underscore pod. Also, if you need a meeting, you can go to aa.intergroup.org slash meetings. And the suicide prevention hotline is 800-273-8255. That is 24-7. And remember, Al-Anon is a great resource. It's al hyphen anon a-n-o-n dot org also there's a government website s-a-m-h-s-a dot gov like us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts supporting sobriety and on the next episode how do you pay for treatment such a huge question um what if i don't have insurance what is the cost of treatment and then there's aftercare we will help you with that and most importantly help you give back to your loved ones here on the supporting sobriety podcast